Well, welcome, welcome. My name's Ben. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm glad that we have wonderful, awesome people who serve in our kids' ministry. If it were up to me, I'd just ask for some chairs and duct tape. But, but, but these people love... These people love our kids. They work with our kids. They teach Jesus to our kids. They help them love one another. And I'm so grateful. Will you help me say thank you to all of our kids volunteers? Yeah. <laughs> Family ministry here is a really, really big deal. Well, next week, next week is our food truck rally. And really, really, it's our anniversary here. We'll be 13 years old. And on our anniversary, we always throw a party. And for the last few years, we've been having food trucks come and sit in our parking lot and we want to make sure that you know you're welcome to come to be a part of that. And we're going to kick off a brand new message series today. I'm going to finish up our message series on prayer. I'm going to talk about praying for your church. But even if you're not committed to church, not even committed to this church, there's some stuff in there for you. But I wanted to draw your attention to something that was on your seat when you sat down, a little card like this. This is an invite card to the food truck rally. It's got all the information on it, but this one is actually worth some money. If you'll give this to your guests and if they come and be a part on the back, they can get a dollar off for anything that they buy at the food truck rally. There's price point items from three to about 12 bucks. So like you can get a $3 thing and eat it and be satisfied, or you can go all the way up to a $12 item over the 10, 11 trucks that we have here. And every kid that come gets a free cone of ice cream from the cone. And if you're from around here, you know what a big deal that is. And so we want you to know that you're invited. We want you to invite your friends. The other thing that you found on your seat when you sat down was some message notes that looked like this. Would you grab those out? Because that's what we're going to use to get through our message today on prayer. Over the last few weeks, the last four weeks, this being the fifth week, we've been talking about prayer. And I talked about how to pray for people you care about. We started off by looking at how Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. It's interesting, these disciples knew how to pray. They had grown up in a culture where prayer was a part of their lives. But when they watched Jesus pray, they thought he prayed a little differently. They were intrigued. It sparked their imagination. There was power in the way that Jesus prayed. There was intimacy in the way that he prayed. He prayed and he talked to God as if he thought God was actually listening. And so these people, these disciples who knew already how to pray, looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus teaches how to pray. Like, we want to pray like you. And Jesus gave the gift we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really, I think, the prayer for the disciples as a model how to pray. And that's how we began this series, and we've been talking about prayer for a long time. And around here, we don't think prayer is the nice thing that Christians do. They add it on to their lives. We think prayer is central to life of walking with God, and anybody can pray. There's no specific right or wrong in how to pray. But the Bible does teach us a lot about prayer. And today I want to talk to you about praying for your church. Last week, by the way, like this just blew me away. Last week, I was standing in the lobby, as I often do, saying hi to folks that had been in service with us. And this gentleman comes up, and I, I vaguely recognized him. And I said, have we, have we met before? Because, you know, I just forget people's names all the time. And he's like, we did. We met like four years ago, right here in the lobby. I had come to church. I don't normally come here. And I'd, I'd come to church and uh, you were standing out in the lobby, you said hello to me, and we were talking, and you said, how can I pray for you? Which is a normal thing for me. I, I'm a man of prayer, and I like to pray. And so, how can I pray for you? And he said, and he's by himself, he said, my wife and I are, 
we're struggling. We, we want to have children. We're, we, 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 we're infertile right now. We're going through all this stuff, and it hasn't been successful. It's been like a long time. And would you pray for that? So I was like, yeah. So we prayed for that. And while he's talking, he turns around last Sunday, and he said, look. And he's got his wife and his two little kids with him. And he said, I just want to thank you for praying. Now, let me be clear. It wasn't my prayers that did it. It's the Lord that did it. But I felt so privileged to be a part of his journey. And I want to show you how, as a church family today, we can pray for what God's doing in this place. If you're our guest, it's a great day to be here. If you're a grandparent, especially, thanks for being here. The book of Proverbs tells us that the crowning jewel on a grandparent's head is their grandchildren. My dad explained that to me once, kind of in his southern vernacular. He said, here's the beauty of grandkids. When they're your kids, you're always stuck with them. But when they're your grandkids, you've got to love them. And when they're nice, you've got to be with them when it's enjoyable. And when they're bad, you send them home to the parents. That's why they're the crowning jewel. That's my grandchildren are the crowning jewel of, of, the, of the grandparents. And so we're so glad that you're here. If you're our guest, let me tell you why it's a good day to be here. You're going to hear my heart, the leadership of this church's heart, for what God does in this place. We're not a perfect church. We're a pretty good church. We're a pretty good church. I, I've never been a part of a perfect church. Could be because every church I was a part of, I was there, and I'm not perfect, and that's why they weren't perfect. I don't know, but I've never been a part of a perfect church, but I've been a part of some pretty good churches. This is one of them. But what I think makes this place unique is there's a special heartbeat here. And as I walk with you through your message notes there that you have on your seats, I want to show you kind of my heart, how I pray for you. And I want to invite you, even if this is not your church home, I want to invite you to join me in praying for the special thing that God's doing in our church. Now, over the last few weeks, those of you who call this home, let me give you some interesting statistics. Uh, Melissa, you can clear up my number. Is it 27 or 21? 27 in the month of August, first-time guests uh, walked through our doors. That's a really big deal um, for us. God's doing something really special. Last week, guys, 88% of the people that were in this room filled out a Connect card. They filled out a Connect card. That was the thing that Pastor Will was trying to talk about while the kids were on stage. I quit watching and listening to Will. I was just watching the kids. There's one guy over here, and he was just loving the lights. I don't know who he was. But he reminded me of myself because while the song was going on, he was trying to do the motions, and he didn't have any more rhythm than I have. So I don't know who that kid is, but I'm going to find him. He's getting my prayers this week, right, because I love that guy. I saw myself in him, right? But 88% of the people filled out their Connect card, and when we get through today, you'll know why that's such an important deal. And over 77 people took time to write down a prayer request. And so on, on Wednesday morning of this week, because we were off Monday, on Wednesday morning of this week when, when, this, when, when I got uh, my prayer time together, I sat down, I started going through those prayer requests of the things that people who were in this room wrote. And it was such a privilege to pray for our church. Such a privilege to pray for our church. And I want to show you behind the curtain what's really going on there and a lot of times you can tell what's on a person's heart by what they pray for. Now, if you think about it, the amount of trust and vulnerability that a person expresses when they ask somebody to pray for them. Here's what's going on in my life. Would you talk to God about that with me? It's a really, really big deal. And so right there at the top of your message notes, I want to show you as we round the corner on 13 years as a church, 
when we met first in a movie theater that's now called AMC, that was the rave, and then we moved to a high school and then to a borrowed church building, back to the rave theater, and then to here. Here's one of the things that's always been a part of why we have a church anyway. Number one, we pray for our church for the welcome of God to be evident to every guest. We pray for the welcome of God to be evident to every guest. This is a really big deal to us. I grew up in a church of about 60 people. There's nothing wrong with that. We were a family. We were, in effect, a large, small group, and we knew everybody and everything. And I remember on a handful of occasions, say on an Easter Sunday morning, our crowd of about 60 would grow up. I mean, it would blow, we'd blow it out of the water. We'd have like 65 people on Easter. And... And I'm not joking. And, and these four or five guests would come and be a part of us. And they'd be looking around like, what's going on in this place? But God helped them if they sat in the wrong seat. Because in our church, we had seats that were assigned to people. Now, not formally. There were no names on the seat. But everybody knew that on the right side, third row, uh, yeah, third row back from the, from the front on the right side. That was my dad and my mom and their four kids. And I was allowed to sit one row behind or one, one row in front. It was effectively prison. That's where I discovered I didn't want to go to prison. Um, was it, was it, when I had the, that kind of rain put on me. And, and, and if our guests sat in the wrong seat, like without meaning to, not because they were mean-spirited, people would walk up and they'd be like, you clearly are new here. Um, you <laughs> Like there were conversations like that. And so when we were starting this church, one of the things we wanted was, what would it be like if we believed that God welcomed people, that was the value, if it was in his heart to let people know that he wanted a relationship with them, that he'd be a kind host, if that was in the heart of God, what would it look like if a church said, we want to exhibit, exhibit that value? We want to put that value on display. We want the heart of God to be clear to a person long before we sing songs together, long before the pastor, me in this case, gets up and gives a message. What if the welcome that God has in the heart, in his heart for people, what if that was on display immediately? Because our assumption was a lot of people probably don't know that God wants a relationship with them, that they're welcomed just as they are, that they can come and be authentic. They can be real. They don't have to put on a face. They don't have to pretend. And just as they are, they can have a relationship with God. What if we tried to put into practice scripture that talked about the welcome of God? Like, like this one. That while we were still sinning, that is, while you weren't perfect, while you still had warts and there was ugliness in your life, while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get clean. He didn't wait for us to get better. What would it look like if we tried to put that into practice? One of my favorite passages that talks about this is in Paul's letter to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 2, there in your message notes, on the screen, in your Bible, on your phone, however you're following along. Romans chapter 2, here's what it says. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Now, from the negative perspective, here's what Paul's saying to a group of Christians. Hey, guys, sometimes it's like you act in the way you treat people as if you have contempt for them, as if somehow you're better than them. And he's actually kind of going against hypocrisy. And he said, you can't do that because it's like you forgot that it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance, 
You can't treat people that way. And so in our church, we regularly pray and we spend a lot of energy and effort trying to make people feel welcomed. If you call Four Corners Church home next Sunday, we're going to have a lot of guests. And I'm really, really excited that you, like me, are inviting people. This week I shared with the staff at our staff meeting who I've invited so far. And we're praying for them. And I've committed that if they'll come, I'll buy their lunch. I've been saving up my pennies. And when I've been visiting people's houses lately, I've been looking in their couches for coins. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy some people's lunch. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, right? Because I want them to come. And I know this, when they come, you're going to be kind to them. You're going to, in effect, if you call this your home... Even if you're not formally, you'll be on the greeting team, which is one of the most powerful teams we have around here. You're going to, when Pastor Will next week says, turn around and say hi to your neighbor, you're going to turn around and say hi to your neighbor. Now, we're a big enough church. We, I don't know everybody here. You may not know everybody here, but not knowing everybody doesn't mean we can't be friendly. And that's part of exhibiting not just niceness. It's actually the heart of God on display. And so when I pray for our church, I regularly say, God, would you let the welcome that you have, would you let that be available and on display to every person that comes through? This is one of the things that makes our church unique, or at least I hear that regularly from people who are our guests, that our church is friendly and kind and people are pleasant. That's a really big deal. And we think that that should start in the parking lot with people saying hello all the way through the front door. Because we believe that God is not surprised by a person's visit here. You might be. Like I've invited people, they don't come, they don't come, they don't come. I invite, I invite, they don't come. And then one Sunday they'll come and I have surprised they're here. I've invited a few people that when they walk through the front door, I kind of took a step back because I know them and I thought the building might fall down on them. But it didn't. Because while I was surprised, God wasn't surprised. He was thrilled that they were here. And I was so glad that there were a group of people here who want them to feel welcomed, and it's worth planning for and strategizing for. If you call this church home, I want to show you one way that we're going to do that. So every week, if you call this church home, you know we talk about a Connect card. And next Sunday, even if you don't fill it out, even if you weren't one of the 88% that filled it out last week, I want you to fill it out. And if you're a regular attender, you just put your name and email on there. When the offering buckets come by at the end of the service, you put the card in there, and you take your next steps, which I'll talk about that in a second. But, but here's why I want you, if you call this church home, even if you never do it, even if you let your wife do it for you, men, which I think, you know, it's time to man up a little bit. I'm just going to say that and move on, all right? So um, <laughs> even if you don't, here's why I want you to, because our guests will look around when Pastor Will says, would you fill out the connect card? They'll kind of look around and see if people do it. And I would like for there to be kind of some positive peer pressure in the room. I know for me, I fill it out every week, every week. Every week I take a step. And even though I'm bringing the message most of the time, I take a step because I want the folks around me to know that I'm not too good. I haven't arrived. I'm still on the journey. I've got growth. I've got, and sometimes I'll even write a prayer request down. You know, now I know I can go in on Monday and tell the team, would you type this in there? I can do that. But I write, I want people to know I'm a part of this thing. So if you call the church home, that's a small way to help make the welcome obvious that, hey, we're all in this together. Maybe our guests, they'll put their name on there. And if you're our guest today, this is true. We want their address as well so we can send them free Chick-fil-A because you'll get to heaven a little quicker if you eat God's chicken on earth. Um, You will. Uh, That's not in the Bible. That's just the way I just think that Chick-fil-A stuff is excellent. And that Chick-fil-A sauce full of calories, but they don't count because it's Christian chicken. So they're free calories. And so we want to send them some free Chick-fil-A. And so next week we're going to tell them that. And 
I want you, if you call this church home, to go ahead and just make it easy for them to do that. Let me tell you the second thing I pray for. And if you're, if you're a normal attender here, this will not surprise you. When I pray for our church, I pray that people, that God would help people to take their next steps. Their next steps. I mean it. We're all on a journey together. I want them to know God if they don't know him. If they know him, I want them to grow up in God. I want them to mature in their faith. You know, there's a, there's a bit of a stigma about church attenders out there. That we're all hypocrites. The problem with that is I've given enough data over my life to prove that that's true. I have. But I want not so much of a hypocrite. I'm just a bad Christian sometimes. Like I know better. It's not that I'm intentionally hypocritical. I just stink at it sometimes. I got growth to do. I've got movement. I got a journey to walk on. And I've never reached the place where I was done. According to the Bible, that's never going to happen until I stand before God after I quit breathing. That's when, that's, that's when I'm going to get perfected. Until then, I'm on a journey. And if you've encountered people in this church who didn't act like they were Christians, it's because, in part, they're on a journey. They're not done. We don't give up on each other when they're on a journey. We push one another on. So we ask people every week to take a step. Don't come to church and be encouraged only. Come to church and commit to growing. And that's all about the step you have to take. And regularly, I'll look at the staff and say to them, hey, what's the step you're taking? And it's implied in our conversation. What steps as a leader are you moving the ministry to take? Because we're all on a journey getting better. And I didn't make this stuff up, this idea of knowing God and growing up in God. It's found in one of the most important Bible verses that's ever quoted. Now, John 3.16 is one of the most obvious ones, but for people that are already Christians and already a part of the church, Matthew 28 is one of the most important passages that we could ever talk about. And I have it for you right there in your notes. It says this. This is at the end of Jesus' life, before he goes back to heaven, after he gave his life on a cross and has been resurrected from the tomb. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Which means he's the boss. He gets to tell us what to do. And he's about to do that. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Go make disciples. Help people come to know God. Help them to grow up in their relationship with God. It's not that we ever get done, but we should be moving forward. And when I pray for you guys, I pray that your next step is clear to you and that you'll actually take it. It's the way I pray for my kids. God, they're, they're teenagers. They're not done there's a lot of life in front of them, and sometimes I'm very aware of how undone they are. And I, I know it ain't going to happen like this. I mean, it ain't going to, you know, it's not going to just pop. There'll be moments when it kind of feels like that. But really what happens is they put one foot in front of the other, and they keep moving. They take a next step. When I pray for our church, number three, I pray that they would experience, that you guys would experience, that I, as a part of this church, would experience deep, spiritual encouragement, deep spiritual encouragement. Here's why. Life can be hard. It can. Like I'm pretty up and pretty positive and there are seasons where I'm just very aware of how much life can press on you. 
and how uphill, we talked about that last week, how uphill life can be. In fact, most all the good things that I give myself to, and probably true for you too, none of it comes exceptionally easy. Like I, I want to do well in my finances with my family. Like I, I, I want to manage well what God has blessed me with. Well, that didn't come easy. I got to push uphill for that. And sometimes that gets hard. I, I, I want a really vibrant marriage, and that doesn't come natural. My wife's pretty awesome, but she brought some stuff into our marriage, and I'm pretty awesome. You don't know that yet, but I'm pretty awesome, maybe. And, and I, but I brought some stuff into our marriage, and it's amazing how much the stuff she brought in and the stuff I brought in conspires together to bring out the worst in both of us. You ever notice that? In fact, what I used to think was really cute about her because we were different now just gets on my nerves. It does. Like, oh, look at that. She's, that that's. Now I'm like, golly, she's still doing that. We've been together 29 years, married 27. It's time to change, right? Here's, life has a way since it's so uphill. I just discovered most of us need encouragement. Like a, like a pat on the back, a, a hand reached down. And when people come into this place, when they encounter us, I want them to have deep, deep encouragement. To encourage simply means to provide courage to. To just feel like you can keep going, that it's worth it. Look at Romans chapter 1 again. Paul writing to that church at Rome. This was his heart for his church. He says, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That's what I'm talking about. Some spiritual gift to give you strength. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, when church is going well, that's what's happening. When I ask God to do his work in here, I'm praying that when you encounter this place, you go to your small group, your kids go to kids' ministry, students go to student ministries, adults happen here, maybe they go to our growth events. When we get together and volunteer team meetings, I'm praying that you leave encouraged, that your faith strengthens mine, my faith strengthens yours. You feel like it's worth it, that the things that you're pressing into, you have more courage to do it. It's a big deal. And do you realize there are a handful of people in your life that you're going to encounter this week, and they need, and they might not even be able to articulate it, but they need somebody to look them in the eye and with seriousness and hope say to them, what you're fighting for is worth it. Don't give up. It's worth it. It's worth fighting for your kids' well-being. It's worth fighting for your teenager's, you know, growth. I was going to say anti-stupidity, but that was a long way to say it. It's worth fighting for. You, it's worth it. In your, with your adult kids, it's worth pushing and encouraging and praying for God's full work in their lives to grow and to take root. When I pray for our church, number four, I pray that people would choose Wisdom and joy. Wisdom and joy. In fact, I put those two words together. You know, you know <laughs> the most sad moments of my life haven't been when something happened to me. Like, I have a certain sadness sometimes when things happen beyond my control. But the thing that typically gets to be the most is when I've been an idiot. And then the natural fruit of being an idiot hits my life. When I wasn't wise and I made a decision or I spoke too hastily or I, I went to a to a, you know, to a conversation in, in, in an attitude that wasn't healthy, and then I acted that way, and then the natural consequences of being an idiot hit my life. 
Lack of wisdom, I found, produces a lack of joy. So I pray for us regularly as a church that we'd be wise. And then in our wisdom, we would find the joy that comes from knowing that God's way is the best way. And then sometimes it's the other way. I pray for the emotion itself, for the the deep sense of satisfaction that, that even when things are rough, that I can choose to put on what the Bible says, a garment of praise. And what the Bible means by that is I can choose to still see the world as if God's in charge. And if God's in charge and he's on my side, I can be joy-filled in this moment. It's almost like I can put on the clothes. It's like, do I put on sadness today or do I put on joy? I'm going to choose the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that would come upon me would be natural. But I'm going to choose the garment of praise and choose joy instead. Wisdom and joy. Wisdom and joy, they go together. I, in fact, I'd encourage you this way. This may come not, not come natural to you, but I'd say it's very wise to every morning get up and put on joy. Now, I'm not asking you to like fake it all the way. I'm asking you to fake it 20%. You, you know what I mean here? It's like you could just exhibit your emotion. You could. Or you could intentionally choose to filter and say, I'm going to bring a little bit of joy to this environment. And I don't feel like it. That's what I mean by faking it. But it's still real. I mean, a little perspective is, is that right now, at least in this room, we're not, there's not a hurricane beating down on our door yet. You know, not likely to happen. I mean, for nothing else today. I got up, Jill and I used to live in Tampa, and it seems like the storm is turning that way. And so I'm getting phone calls yesterday and today. I'm talking to people, and my heart's heavy for them. Right? But it's not me yet. I can have a little bit of joy in that even as I press in. And when they talk... I mean, I could be like all worried with them on the phone. So we'll talk practically. I've invited three families to come stay with us. So if I'm not here next week, it's because they wore me out. But I, I love them. I want them here. I, y'all can come stay at my place. It's fine. But I'm going to give them encouraging words. And I'm going to speak hope into their life. Even though I'm, I'm, honest, I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen. So I can choose wisdom and joy. When I pray for our church number five, this is a big one. This is going to probably sound like a pastor to you. I pray for protection against temptation. I pray for protection against temptation. I, I believe there's a deep spiritual battle for you, for your life, for this community. It's not always obvious. There's a deep spiritual battle for your grandkids. It's real. And there are things that are going to come out from outside of them and encourage them to go the wrong way. And there are things that are going to come from inside of them and encourage them to go the wrong way. Attacks from without and temptation from within. In fact, when the book of James, Jesus' own half-brother, writes a letter that makes its way into our New Testament, when, Jesus talks, or when James talks about temptation, look at the unique way he talks about it in James chapter 1. But each person is tempted when he or she is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. James says, there's stuff inside of you that will tempt you away. Now, nobody has had a prettier baby than my first child. Ellen was beautiful. You don't believe me? There's a picture in my office right now. I'll show you. And if you look at it, you'll agree. You're right. She is the prettiest baby that was ever born. She had my heart from the first breath. 
the nurse looked at me and said, get ready. That face is going to cost you a lot of money. I don't care. That's my daughter. That's my boys. Who's my favorite? It's my daughter. Straight up. Now, I know that's horrible parenting, but I can't hide it anymore. Now, she's awesome. But about two years old, I started seeing something in her. She discovered a word, no. And she would, with great force, exhibit her personality. Where'd that come from? Well, there's only two choices. It either came from her mother or it came from within her. I'm choosing to believe it came from within her. Right? You know what I'm talking You don't have to have somebody outside of you trying to get you to do bad. Every person has the capacity to be incredibly selfish. Every person has the capacity to be incredibly short-sighted. You and I, you have the capacity to be dumb, to make foolish choices. It's in there. And God says if we're not careful, that thing that's in us, will, it will take root. It'll grow. It'll produce sin and ultimately all kinds of pain, ultimately death. But there's another force. There's forces outside of us. First Peter chapter 5. Look at how Peter encourages the people he, he loves and he cares for. He says, be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little old-fashioned here. I still believe there's a devil, and I still believe he doesn't want you to succeed. I believe his plan for you is death and destruction. And he's ready to pounce on you. So when I pray for our church, I pray that we'd be sensitive and wise and open-eyed to what's going on in our own hearts. And we wouldn't let the ugly stuff in here take root and grow. And I pray that we'd be sensitive and wise to the snares that have been set for us in the world. And we would not fall victim to the enemy's attack on our life. This is how I pray for you. Like, I, I don't mind talking with you through the stuff after your mistakes. Like that's part of my job. I, I kind of a privilege you would trust me. But I'd much rather talk with you about avoiding it. I'd much rather you learn from the foolishness of other people. I'd much rather you watch how other people have done marriage and it didn't go well and you avoid those behaviors. I'd much rather you avoid temptation than to fall into it and need redemption. So that's how I pray for you. And when our guests show up next week, I'm going to pray for them that they'll get a sense of what's going on in here and they'll invite God to get involved with what's going on in their hearts. And they'll invite God to get involved with what's going on in their world and they won't fall victim to the snares and to the traps that have been set for them. Number six, I pray for people to discover their purpose and to make a difference through serving. I, I believe every single person in this room has a purpose that is ordained by God for them. And that true joy and true significance happens when you discover your purpose. As it's been said, the two best days of your life is when you were born and when you discover why. And I believe you have a purpose. And part of my job is to help you discover your purpose. When we talk about our slogan that you walked under through the front or you walked under the logo, but by the, the right-hand side of our door, there was a slogan that says, real love now. And we talk about that. We're talking about that it's now is the day to discover your destiny. It's the day to discover your purpose. And God has a purpose for you. 
And I want to help people discover that purpose. And I think that when they do, that they can make a difference in this world. I think every person's purpose is tied to you being a partner with God in the good thing God wants to do in this world. And for some of us, that purpose literally is investing deeply in our kids while they're in our home. That's part of your purpose. It's core to who you are and the calling on your life. And you believe it or not, you can actually take joy in that. Even for grandparents, part of your purpose can be continuing to invest in your kids and your grandkids and to bring about God's good purpose in your grandkids' lives. And when you do that, you'll make a profound difference. I think, I think every single life can make a profound difference. So when I pray for our church, I regularly say, God, help me help people discover their purpose. Help me show them they can make a difference. That we're not waiting to engage the good stuff. We're doing it now. And I get that really from the, the words of Jesus in Luke 10. He told his disciples in the crowds, here's what he said. The harvest is plentiful. There's a lot of work to do, a lot of work to be done, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, he says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. It's hard sometimes to remember that your life can make a difference. You can make a difference in your workplace. You can. You can make a difference in your marriage. And you can make a difference with your kids. You can make a difference at school. You can make a difference. When you discover your purpose, the way God's wired you, and how he set you in this world on purpose, you're not an accident. I think you understand the role you can play. And for me, it brings me great joy and sustainability and energy when I'm walking in my purpose. And I know that a lot of folks who walk through our doors for whatever reason, they've never even asked the question, what am I here for? Not, I don't mean in this building, but what am I on earth for? I want to help them ask that question. So our ministries with adult ministries are designed in part to help you ask that question and discover it. When I pray for our church, I pray for number seven, for generous and faithful givers, because it takes money to do ministry. So in 1 Timothy chapter 6, beyond just the pragmatics that it takes money to do ministry, somebody's got to pay for the lights, and that's beyond that. <laughs> the truth is, if we're not careful, money will vie for the attention, for the place of our heart that God is supposed to take. So when I pray for our church people, I say things like, God, don't let greed be a part of their lives, even more than the fact that they could give here at this church or give perhaps to other ministries to help around the world and with the stuff going on in the weather, I'm hoping that you're being generous in the avenues that are being provided for you however you can. Please do that. We're a generous church. Do that. But beyond that, I don't want something silly and temporary like money to take the place of your heart that God's supposed to hold. So I get this from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look at how this pastor Timothy was encouraged by his mentor, the Apostle Paul, to talk and think about money. Here's what he said. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from their faith, and they've pierced themselves with many griefs. I love our congregation, and I don't want something silly like money to cause a person to wander away from their faith. I've seen the quest for money and not money to survive, but because people want things. 
I've seen that literally destroy marriages. As man and woman went different ways to earn as much as they could. Not because they needed it to survive, but because they thought that would make their life happier. But instead of making them happier, this verse came true. It pierced their hearts with many griefs. I used to teach at a school that had many families who were very well healed. And I watched dads who provided for their family's needs and some of their wants continue to invest in their work environment at an unhealthy rate and not build a relationship with his own kids. And he pierced his heart, his heart with many griefs in doing it. And part of my job as a pastor is to say to people, your life's not about money and it's not in the accumulation of things. In fact, if you'll follow God with your heart, that will never be the goal he has for you. But he can use money to bring about blessing in your life. Believe it or not, there are a lot of people in our community and a lot of folks that will be here next week. And I'm going to, not on that Sunday, but over the course of talking about healthy families, that's the marriage uh, and parenting series we're going to start. The the concept will be healthy families. I'm going to talk about the role of money done well in a family so that there's not so much fighting. That's why we're offering Financial Peace University. It's interesting. It's financial peace, but I have found it's often marriage peace. (laughs) Sometimes it's internal peace when money no longer is the thing we're fighting about and we're up late at night thinking about. Believe it or not, you can get free with that. So I pray for that. Number eight, I pray for strong marriages and families. Malachi chapter four. Look at how... The prophet Malachi said that God would work in people's lives when, when the ultimate answer, when ultimately Jesus shows up. Malachi 4. He'll turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents. Or else I'll come and strike the land with total destruction. Now, that's an interesting way to end that. That verse says that when Jesus comes, one of his goals is going to be to turn parents' hearts back to their kids and kids' hearts back to their parents. That's why kids' ministry is such a big deal around here and student ministries is such a big deal around here. We want to partner with parents. But look at why. Because when that doesn't happen, it's total destruction. I've never known a family, I've never known a person to feel great about life when their family was in disarray. Never. I've never known other circumstances to make a person feel awesome when they didn't have a good relationship with their kids. Never. And one of the things Jesus is all about is helping families get healthy and whole. Because when individuals get healthy and whole, they can begin to be an agent of health and healing to their families. And one of the things Jesus will do is turn the heart. And I pray this for us. God, let every dad Let every mom that walks through this room, uh, do your work in them, but not just for them. Do it for their kids. Do it for their grandkids. God, family is hard. Bitterness can sit in. Unforgiveness can sit in. Hard-heartedness can sit in. And God, would you soften the hearts of kids to their parents and parents to their kids? It's a big deal. It's very hard to be purpose-filled and on mission with your life when you're so overwhelmed with sadness about your family. So God gets in the middle of that stuff and we pray and ask him to do it. Number nine, we pray for meaningful relationships. 
Here's something I discovered working in large churches before uh, this church. And this church is a pretty big-sized church, about 700 people on the weekend and some 900 different people in a week. We'll probably have over 1,000 people on our campus next week. Here's something I've learned. Every church is too big if you don't know anybody. Every church is too big if you don't know anybody. Every one of them. You can be at a church of 60 people, but if you don't have friendships... It's too big. So when people come to our church, I pray that they would build meaningful relationships. Proverbs 18, 24. A person of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I don't want just friendliness. That's what we can control. We can create a friendly environment. But what I want really is for you to build friendships, meaningful relationships. And that's hard work, and you got to present yourself. As my mom would say to me, you got to be friendly to make friends. Show yourself friendly, you can make friends. And so we try to create an environment where that's easy, but we want you to have meaningful conversations about life. Number 10, we pray for people to find freedom. Find freedom. When I talk about freedom, there's a handful of things that come to my mind. That they would have hope, they'd have joy, they'd have peace, They'd have power. Romans 15 is where I pulled that from. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want people to leave with a certain amount of freedom. That they know God and they can walk free. Now like I've been doing every week in this series. I... uh, end our time with prayer. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to just put things down and join me in my devotional seat that I normally sit in in my bedroom. We're going to kind of pretend we're there. In the corner of my bedroom, there's a seat. And I sit there with my computer, my Bible. I open up the little tray next to me, and that's kind of my desk. And I pray. And if, you've, if you're our guest, you don't know we've been doing this, but we're creating a bit of a laboratory right now where I'm going to show people how I pray. And you can join with me, you can pray along, or you can just watch me. I'm, I'm okay with that. I know it's a little weird. But I want to show you for just a couple minutes how I pray. And so when I'm in my bedroom, I turn on some music because I get easily distracted. I can hear the neighbors talking outside the window, walking their dogs. And I hear my kids, you know, taking a shower. And I'm like, golly, they're just not getting up, you know, getting up at the, uh, the crack of 10 o'clock. What, what's going on here? I don't. Don't know what's going on, right? So I get distracted. I, I hear everything. I hear the TV coming through the vents. You guys, you guys, does your house do that? I don't know what's wrong with my vents, but I can hear everything in the whole house. Comes out in that vent right next. So I got to put a pillow over the vent. And I, I'm, I can't pray. Y'all, I get distracted. Am I clear about that? So I turn on music, and it just gives me some background noise. So they have it going for me. A couple songs I'm really enjoying these days. And I just want to pray. And I want to for literally two or three minutes show you how I pray for our church through these 10 values. So I'm going to bow my eyes. I bow my head, close my eyes. Bow my eyes would be a miracle. I don't know how to do that. Um, I'm going to just close my eyes, bow my head. You can watch me. You can pray along. But if you invite a guest next week, this is how I'm praying for them. Father, I, I, I know it's a privilege that I can talk to you. I know it's a privilege that I can talk to you about what's on my heart and to talk to you about this church that you allowed me to be a part of. 
God, I, I know it's a privilege to stand on this stage. I didn't earn this. I, I'm no better than anybody else. And yet you've chosen me and you've given me the responsibility to be a shepherd in this place. And I, I take that seriously. There's never been a day in my life that I ever felt I was fully qualified. And yet you chose me. I don't know what else to do, God, but to come to you. Because the goals and the, the things in my heart for the people that come to this church are bigger than me. And I don't have the strength or the power or the wisdom or the insight to know how to make them happen. So I ask you, God, to hear my prayer for the people that you let me shepherd. I pray, Lord, that every person that would walk through these doors as they're greeted by our greeting team, as they see smiling faces, as they receive a warm, a hot cup of coffee and a warm welcome. I pray, God, that they would sense your welcome behind it all. That they would know that while our doors are open physically, your doors are just as open, even if they can't see it. That you welcome them just as they are. So, Lord, I pray for our greeting team that nothing, nothing, nothing would distract them from extending your welcome. Not what's going on in their week, not what's going on in their head, not what's going on in their heart, not what comes out their mouth. Nothing would distract them from offering the welcome that you offer. God, we wanna be your representative. We want you to show yourself in this place. Father, I pray that every person who walks through this door would be challenged to take a next step and they would take it that they wouldn't just be stirred, they wouldn't just have an emotion, they wouldn't just relax their guilt, but they would take a step towards you. They'd come to know you, they'd come to grow in you. God, I pray that every person that walks through this door, that they would have deep encouragement. They would find courage to keep going. God, in a world that will nip at their heels, that will pull them back, Many of them are in environments at work and at home that are anything other than encouraging. I pray at least in this place, it would be a source of joy and courage today. God, I pray that every single person that comes through these doors, that calls Four Corners home and all of our guests, that they would choose joy and they would choose wisdom. They wouldn't go for the easy path, they'd go for the right path. They wouldn't put on garments of heaviness, but they would put on a spirit of praise each morning. They would recognize that if you're with them, they have every reason to be filled with joy. That people who are with you do not lose. They win. They win in all the ways that matter, not in the shallow ways, but in the most important ways. Father, I pray that every person who calls this church home, every guest that comes in, that their eyes would be open to what's going on in their hearts. They would see what's going on in the world around them and they would not fall victim to temptation. They would be able to avoid the hurt that comes from walking against your way. The pain that always comes when we say no to you and we do it our way when selfishness leads. I pray God that they would not fall victim to that. That you would avoid, help them avoid in their hearts the pain that comes from not walking with you. Father, for every person that comes next week, 
next Sunday, God, I pray that you would set them on a path to discover their purpose. They'd know that with you, they can make a difference. That their life is not stuck. That they can be a part of the good thing that you're doing. That there are no accidents in this world. Nobody's here just filling space or taking up oxygen. They have a purpose. You have a plan for them. And it can be discovered. Wherever they are, they can be a part of the work you're doing. Father, I pray that in our church there would be people who so love the mission of this place that they'd be generous and faithful givers. That in our families, God, money would not drive us to silly decision-making and in so doing bring pain back into our families. But instead, God, we'd use money to meet our needs, the blessings you provide. I pray, Lord, we'd even have some of our wants. And I pray, God, we'd use money to accomplish your purpose in this world. We'd bless others with it. We'd, we'd serve the, the ministries that you have around the world. And I want to thank you, Lord, for those in this church who do that. They're good, they're kind, they're generous. God, I pray that there would be strong marriages and families. So as go the marriages, so goes the church. And I pray, God, that you would strengthen marriages in this place. That there would be a revival of love from husband to wife and wife to husband. There'd be deep empathy. That you would heal hurts and put salve on disappointments. There'd be a rekindling of love. Father, I pray beyond the marriage relationship and the family that people would make meaningful friendships. God, I don't want them to have just friends that will always agree with them. I want them to have friends that will have conversations that matter. Would you let them find those people here? As they give themselves to small groups and they go to team meetings, would you let relationships develop that are important and powerful for their good in their lives? Father, I pray that our folks would find freedom, that you would heal all the hurts that hold us back, that we wouldn't just know you, but we'd walk in victory and in power with you. I pray, Lord, that we'd have the strength to, along with the book of James chapter 5, that we would confess our sins one to another, that we would pray with each other, and we would be healed as we dig down deep into the freedom that you've called us to. I ask all these things in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you do this? Would you grab hold of that connect card as you put your message notes to the side? I'd ask everybody that calls Four Corners home to put your name and email on it. If you're our guest, give us your address. We will send you a free gift certificate. If there's something you want us to pray about, go ahead and write it on the back. Like we take that seriously. Don't leave here with something heavy on your heart. We want to pray with you. But I also want to encourage you to take a next step right now. And perhaps I've been talking about a God and you don't have a relationship with that God yet. So I want to encourage you to take next step A right there on your card. It says, today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. So if that's you, you check the box. In a moment or so, the offering book is going to come by. You just put that in there and we're going to communicate with you this week. You're not joining our church. You're not committing to give money. I just want to send you an email that says, here's what it means to be in a relationship with God. Or maybe you need to check next step B. Today I'm choosing to be baptized. Because if you have questions about baptism, want to get baptized, go ahead and do this. Over the last several weeks, 13 people 
have been baptized in this church. That's middle schoolers, high schoolers, and adults. It's a big deal. It's a big deal when people go public with their faith. They're saying, I'm not ashamed to be identified with Christ and with the family of God. If you have questions about that or want to get baptized, check it. Next step C. Next step C says, hey, I'll invite two friends to force these food truck rally next week. If you're our guest, you can go ahead and use those little cards that were on your seat. You can invite somebody. If you call this church home, would you please invite somebody? Use that $1 off card. They just bring it, present it, and we, we take care of that. Right? They'll get all the instructions they get, need next week. Four Corners folks, um, you have my commitment that I'll do all I can, and Will and his team who lead the worship will do all they can to make your guests feel welcomed and encouraged as we start talking about healthy families, healthy parenting. It's going to be a wonderful series. You're going to love it. You don't want to miss it, but there are people in your life who would benefit from it. And use the cover of the food truck rally as their invitation to come and be a part of an important conversation. Now, next step D says, send me the links for Grow. On the front of your message notes, there was information about this, but there are four steps, step one, two, three, and four, that are all about growing in your relationship with God. And all the dates and all the information are there, but if you'll check this box, we'll send you a link to all that stuff on the front of your message notes, and you can just click through to sign up for any of those experiences you wanna uh, sign up for. And if you have a question about it, you can take care of that right now on your Connect card on the back in the comment sections, all right? And the next step E, when you show up next week on your, on your seats, will be the small group catalog for the fall. We have open spots for about 450 adults to be in small groups. And I want to ask you to right now be thinking about making time to be a part of a small group this fall. An hour or so a week. And by the end of this year, by the time you come to Christmas, you'll be in a different place spiritually. You'll be better. All it takes is an investment of time and heart to make that happen. And so I'm asking you to find time. If you're willing to do that, check the box. We'll send you a little advanced notice about some of the opportunities to sign up for. Would you do this as you take your next step? Will you just hold that card in your hand? This is the, the point in our service where folks who call this church home are getting ready to get their offerings together to give back to the work that God's doing here. The folks you see moving around are simply coming forward to receive the gifts, the offering that people who call this church home are going to give. You have a couple moments if you want to write a check or get out some cash right now. And while you're doing that, let me, let me tell you something really powerful. Every week, as you hear me talk about often, there people write down their prayer requests. Every week. I already shared with you how one person's prayers were answered. Now, what, what you may not know is there's a lot of conversation sometimes that happens around that stuff. Somebody will write a prayer request. They get the kind of standard response. We prayed for you. There's no way we can personalize it all. We prayed for you. And sometimes they'll send back and say, thank you. Here's what's going on. Well, there was a husband and wife who over the last few months have been kind of working through some stuff. And actually God's been in the middle of it, but it's just been hard as things would surface, as old hurts surfaced, as old patterns of relating to stress surfaced. But over the last few weeks, we've noticed a change in the tone and tenor of their comments on their Connect card. So a few weeks ago, we were in our staff meeting and we were just talking about them, not talking about them, but 
talking about the journey they've been on. And we sat there as a staff and just felt great joy that there was a group of people at this church that would create an environment where somebody would feel that it was okay to be honest about what was going on in their marriage on a Connect card. That, that's a big deal. It happens because a bunch of people contribute to creating an environment where it feels safe to be authentic, <laughs> to be real. So they wrote about the stuff, man. And if I told you and I said, you know, give me odds, are they going to make it or not? You go, they ain't going to make it. But they're making it. They're making it. And we've prayed for them. And we're seeing that availability to be vulnerable and to be transparent and a group of people who've rallied around them. We've seen it make a difference. And I know that's not just because a handful of staff people engage. It's because you who call this church home, you invest in a place where that is not strange behavior. It happens over and over and over again. And in my book, that's one more marriage saved. And I can't count how many, but I don't want you to ever think that you're investing in something that doesn't make a difference. You're investing in a place that is literally changing the course of people's lives. That's the power of God at work in a group of people who bind together and say, God, use us. So thank you. Thank you for investing in this place. It's a big deal. I'm gonna pray for us now about our next steps and about our gifts. And then the offering buckets are gonna pass around. You'll remain seated until the offering buckets pass. You just put your card right in there. Put your offering right in there and then we're gonna sing a little bit together. Would you bow with me? Father, thank you. I wanna thank you, Lord, right now for that man and wife standing in the lobby last week who said, thank you for prayers. God, thank you for the privilege of praying for them. Thank you for answering their prayers. Thank you for the gift of life that is in their family, those precious kids. I thank you, Lord, for a man and wife who've been real. They've been honest and they said, we need help. I want to thank you, Lord. There was a group of people who were able to rally. There was an environment that said it's okay to be honest and transparent. There's a group of people here, the team that makes this place happen. Where it's normal for people to say, God, work in my life. I'm open to whatever you want. So, Father, right now I bring to you these steps that we're taking. I pray for people that are taking next step A. Today, Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. I, I lift them up to you, Father. If they're saying, God, I can't save myself, but I'll trust the work you did on your cross and in your resurrection to save me. I thank you for every next step. I thank you for every invite that's gonna go out this week of people inviting friends that they care about into this place. God, I lift up our offering to you. Take something temporary and foolish like money and make it go very far. Take things like electric bills that are paid for and programming that is bought to change lives. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to give back to you. Now, Lord, this week, give us boldness to invite. Help people say yes. And when they come to fill their earthly stomachs with really good food, I pray, God, you would nourish their spiritual lives with eternal food from your word. This is our hope for them. This is what we pray for. In the name of Jesus, we pray, the strong son of God. Amen and amen. Just remain seated for just a moment.